the America of today feels worse in its fundamentals than the one many of us remember from youth. A society presided over by those of supposedly lesser consciousness. Wherever we look, from L.A. to D.C., from Oklahoma City to Sun City, we see paths to a foreboding future. We yearn for civic character, but satisfy ourselves with symbolic gestures and celebrity circuses. We perceive no greatness in our leaders, a new meanness in ourselves. Small wonder that each new election brings a new jolt, its aftermath a new disappointment. Uh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to our 50th episode what? of Facts versus Rhetoric. Thank you very much for joining us today. We're closing in on 1,000 downloads, so that's roughly about 20 per episode. And I'm kind of operating under the hope that if I'm able to spark some curiosity in at least one person out of those 20, and then they in turn spark some curiosity in someone else, else as a result of this podcast, and that is a worthy use of my time and, and resources. Uh, my credibility, if you think I have any, should come from the fact that I'm not trying to sell you anything. I don't have ads. I don't promote this podcast. I'm only beholden to my mission to do something about the situation we find ourselves in. I'd always, you know, bitch about the hypocrisies, the politics, the lies, the bullshit, the rhetoric that was preventing people from holding the right people accountable. And that's why we always talk about, you know, identifying the real issue and then trying to come up with a real solution. This whole kind of project started when my sister challenged me with the question, why don't you do something about it? And my response was to try and talk to as many people as possible about our issues. Thus, Facts versus Rhetoric was born in my civic duty to hopefully contribute to a positive solution rather than just sitting around bitching about things and hoping someone else steps up to uh, fix them. And I guess that's a good example of why it's important to discuss issues and topics with people who think differently than you. You know, they can challenge you just as much as you can challenge them. And my sister challenged me to take a, a look at what I was doing and that exercise made me realize I needed to do a little bit more than just make a few good points to some family members after having a couple of white claws, if any real progress was to be made. So I don't benefit from this podcast unless the listener becomes a better informed member of society, right? So it's a win-win. Being better informed doesn't mean thinking how I think or believing what I believe. It's just hopefully having the tools to sort through the information and identify people's motives, maybe their conflicts of interest, you know, be skeptical and to not lose sight of what you already know, to be confident in your knowledge while keeping the door open to learn new things and seek out and want to learn new things. Today, I wanted to look at a book that has given me the ability to focus on the task at hand rather than being paralyzed by fear because America feels like it's unraveling. In fact, that's the first sentence in Bill Strauss's and Neil Howe's 1997 book, The Fourth Turning. There is so much that this book covers, but we'll start with my favorite kind of how did we get here. 
the authors have written several books together, and when they were collaborating on their historical book Generations, they, they noticed some repeating patterns. And then they started with this bold idea that your historical experiences shape your life lessons and your historical experiences will differ between generations. Their critique of history is that it was always kind of told in a linear fashion, meaning history was usually told through the eyes of that middle-aged leader or parent. So every historical subject was viewed and experienced through that same lens. What the authors noted was your experiences definitely differed with your age. You know, the story of the Civil War, for instance, would be told very differently through the eyes of an adolescent, a teenager, a parent, a grandparent, right? Each age group or generation would have a completely different experience and life lessons learned from that Civil War, right? My favorite example of this is the difference in experiences and life lessons of the men in the Revolutionary War and our founding fathers. The older midlife outlook of General Washington and John Adams differed greatly from the younger guys like Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, Alexander Hamilton. Washington and Adams, they were older. They, they risked it all. There was no going back for them. And they weren't so confident that they would, A, win the war, and B, let alone put together a new republic that would actually last. Right? You know, on the other hand, the young bloods, you know, they just expected to win the war. You know, they were very optimistic of the future of their new creation. You know, being young gave them the flexibility to roll with whatever happened. Right? They weren't wrapped up in the way things used to be. Right? Think of it like your status quo blowing up when you're an adult versus a kid. As an adult, you're probably losing your mind dealing with all the changes because you have so much vested in the old way. But as a kid, you don't give a shit which way the wind blows. You have nothing invested in the old way and you can adapt easily to anything. So a really cool acknowledgement about different generations experiencing the same piece of time differently. As the authors started breaking down the generations and, and re-examining them, they found that the generations are different from each other, but the differences followed a certain pattern. Certain kinds of generations always followed other kinds of generations. The authors concluded that if there's a pattern to the generations, then that applies there's a pattern to history itself. And they do a great job going back to the late medieval times, you know, circa 1435, and they chronicle all the generations up to present day. And among those generations, there are repeating cycles every 80 to 100 years, which they call in the book saculums. So starting in 1435, you can start looking at these 80 to 100 year cycles that constantly repeat throughout history right up to the present day. The authors do a good job of breaking down these 80-year cycles into four turnings, each one approximately 20 years, right? So in that 80-year chunk, you got four 20-year turnings. So the first turning is a high. It's an upbeat era of strengthening institutions and weakening individualism when a new civic order 
implants in the old values regime decays. So that first 20 years is the first turning, it's called a high. The second turning is an awakening, a passionate era of spiritual upheaval when the civic order comes under attack from the new values regime. Another 20 years. The third turning is an unraveling, a downcast era of strengthening individualism and weakening institutions when the old civic order decays and the new values regime implants. And that brings us to the last 20-year cycle, the fourth turning, which is a crisis, a decisive era of secular upheaval when the values regime propels the replacement of the old civic order with a new one. And the easiest way to kind of wrap your head around this is to look at those four turnings like the four seasons, right? The first turning, that high is like spring, right? Stuff is growing, a lot of optimism, you know, everyone's really excited. It's getting warm out. That second turning is like summer. It's an awakening. All the stuff that was growing in spring is now grown to maturity. The third turning is like fall. They call that the unraveling. So just like in fall, you have all the stuff that grew in the spring and summer is starting to die, starting to unravel. And that brings us into the fourth turning, winter, which is the crisis when we start over. All the shit that just grew dies, gets reshuffled, and we start over. So how cool is that, right? So you can go back 587 years, all these patterns just keep repeating. Now, the season metaphor is a great one because, you know, you never know when spring will start or when winter will start. There's no exact dates when it comes to this kind of shit in history and like the seasons, but we do know winter will come, right? There's no avoiding winter. That's coming. Oh, cool history lesson, Nick. Well, what does this have to do with today? Well, in American history, there has been a regime-changing political war for dominance every 80 to 100 years. Right? So every 80 to 100 years is a fourth turning that's been a war that has changed everything. You can go back to the Glorious Revolution of 1688. Fast forward 87 years, you end up at the American Revolution of 1775. You fast forward another 85 years, whoops, you're at the Civil War, 1860. And you fast forward 69 years, you jump into the Great Depression, and if you go another 10 years to make it 79 years, whoops, there's World War II, okay? So World War II ended 77 years ago. So we're heading for our fourth turning, and I wanted to take a quick look back at the turning since World War II to kind of give you some context. So coming out of a crisis, that's that fourth turning, the winter, when you come out of that, of World War II, we start over a new cycle. So winter's over, here comes spring, here's our first turning, 1943 to 1963. It's, a, it's an American high. It's an upbeat era of strengthening institutions, a weakening of individualism, you know, we're just riding this rah-rah, star-spangled American high of the Truman, Eisenhower, and Kennedy presidencies. Everything is just awesome. So then we head into our second turning, 1963 to 1983. This is the awakening. So this is going to be kind of our summer. We start to have campus revolts of the mid-60s. You have the civil rights movement. Martin Luther King Jr. and JFK are assassinated. You got fucking Woodstock, Star Wars the birth of computers 
And that leads us to our third turning starting in 1984, going through 2008. And this is the unraveling, right? This is fall. We have the culture war start. We have a lot of institutional decay. We have a big decline in religion, fall of communism. We have the LA riots, the Columbine shooting, 9-11, the 2008 financial crisis. That unraveling is pretty self-explanatory. It's just shit starting to come undone. Which brings us to the fourth turning, which is from 2009 to whenever, right? 2029-ish. Again, we don't know exactly when winter will start, but we know winter is coming. And we're going to be walking right into another crisis, a decisive era of upheaval where the new value regime replaces the old civic order with the new one. So if your mind is not blown yet, I have one more layer to add. Your generation will also follow this pattern. And depending on what turning you were born in, this book can predict your generation's role in the future turnings, right? So for example, the baby boomers that were born at the end of World War II, right? So they came of age in the first turning during the high. Those boomers will be in charge and responsible for causing the upcoming fourth turning. So the boomers born out of crisis will bring us back into one as elder leaders. What? Oh yeah. <laughs> the generations have cycles and patterns too. They break it down into to four generations, depending on when you were born in these turnings, right? They use prophets, nomads, heroes, in artists. And it just depends on which turning you were born into, right? The boomers are prophets. The Bill Gates of the world who envisioned a computer in every house will be steering this ship right into the metaphoric iceberg of our time. And how fitting of an example is that? Because it feels to me and many of you that Bill Gates is one of the masterminds and whatever the hell is going on. So, on top of that, every new era or turning that we enter, we lose the generation of people to last experience it, right? So you're constantly losing the generation that was alive to experience the turning that you're heading into. Because right now, almost everyone from the last fourth turning, so World War II, everyone who went through that is pretty much gone as we enter our next generational crisis. And what's really cool is, you can play this game forward, right? So my kids will come of age as the new prophets, right? Born out of this crisis that we're going through now. So in 2028-ish, when this, this one ends and this new first turning begins, right? We'll start a new cycle once this all blows up soon. So from 2028-ish to 2048-ish, that'll be my kids' first turning. And then from 2048 to 2068, we'll be in the second turning, that awakening. So Generation X is starting to die out. My kid's generation is getting ready to solve that next crisis that us Gen Xers create. And it all ties in because, right, that last generation who experienced the crisis will drop off before the next one. And then we go to 2068 to 2088. Roughly those dates, you're looking at your third turning. You're unraveling. So my kid's generation is in charge as things start to fall apart. And then that fourth turning from 2088 to whenever, 
my kids' generation is now dying out as we enter the next crisis that they were born into before. Really cool stuff. And my biggest takeaway and why I really wanted to cover this book and the topic is that it provided me with some much needed perspective, right? America feels like it's unraveling. And as much as it's going to suck to go through whatever the hell lies ahead, I did take solace that we aren't the only ones to have gone through this. And it's, it's hard to remember that because everyone who went through the last crisis is gone, right? All the World War II, that GI generation, they're all gone. And the times before when they did talk about their crisis that they went through, no one in my generation saw a crisis coming. So we didn't pay any attention to it. There were cool stories and all, but then as you feel like the world's blowing up and everything's falling apart, you're like, holy shit, I like you feel like you're the only one going through it. However, this is just a repeating pattern all throughout history. So here we are, we're at our fourth turning, and my generation, Generation X, will be stuck with fixing the messes of others. I do have some good news for humanity. Generation X is the last pre-digital generation. We are the last of the analogs. We grew up working with our hands, tinkering with stuff, taking care of ourselves. We happen to have the knack for repair. We have the tools to execute that repair. And we have the mindset to try no matter what. I'd like to leave you with a quote from the book. Again, this is The Fourth Turning by Bill Strauss and Neil Howe, written in 1997. The next fourth turning is due to begin shortly after the new millennium, midway through the OO decade. Around the year 2005, a sudden spark will catalyze a crisis mood. Remnants of the old social order will disintegrate. Political and economic trust will implode. Real hardship will beset the land with severe distress that could involve questions of class, race, nation, and empire. Yet this time of trouble will bring seeds of social rebirth. Americans will share a regret about recent mistakes and a resolute new consensus about what to do. The very survival of the nation will feel at stake. Sometime before the year 2025, America will pass through a great gate in history, commensurate with the American Revolution, Civil War, and the twin emergencies of the Great Depression and World War II. Advertising in the skies for people like us. <laughs>